What's up, you animals? Welcome to the Strength and Conditioning Fireside Chat, where we discuss studies and other publications to build the knowledge needed to take yourself, your athletes, and your business to the next level. This episode, along with every other episode, is brought to you by DefyingGravityPerformance.com. Yo, 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 welcome, episode three of Strength and Conditioning Fireside Chat. I realized something, we're in episode three, we're three weeks in, I went back, I listened to episode one and two, and I realized I never even introduced myself, I never gave you my name, so my apologies, um, my name is Tom, simple, easy, easy breezy, that's it, that's all I had to do, week one, didn't do it, week two, forgot to do it. Week three, there it is. I'm Tom. So welcome. Welcome back. So now that we got that out of the way, three weeks later, uh, this week we're going to be talking about a video, uh, a presentation that was recorded um, and posted online, so not your traditional study, but the video um, is titled Back to Basics, A Common Sense Approach to Coaching the Special Forces Tactical Athlete. And the presenter in this video was Brandon Stone. Um, and he's a strength and conditioning coach with the 10th Special Forces Group, which is airborne for the United States Army out of Fort Carson, Colorado. And if you want to look the video up online, it's uh, the video was originally published at nsca.com. And it's a recording of his presentation at the 2016 TSAC Annual Training, which stands for Tactical Strength and Conditioning, which is a a fast-growing field within strength and conditioning. Um, so that's where you can find the video if you want to watch it after listening to the whole podcast, of course. So the question that I, I answer every time we talk about a study or a video is, why Why this video? Why did I choose it? And there's a couple reasons. And the first reason was, um, this is a demographic um, and an athlete set, if you will, that I work with very often. Work with a lot of uh, military personnel, a lot of law enforcement officers, a um, couple firefighters. And so I was going to watch this video and take notes on it anyway. And, and then once I started getting into it, I realized, hey, this is a great topic to, to share with the listeners. So... That's the first reason it made the podcast. The second reason is that this is a demographic that I think is often way overlooked. When I first got into strength and conditioning, this was a demographic that I kind of stumbled upon myself. And I realized like these are, these are highly underserved individuals. There's a giant pain point here for the, the tactical athlete. And then kind of simultaneously as I'm realizing that, so was the National Strength and uh, Conditioning Association. So they've really been pushing the the tactical athlete and training that because they realized pretty much at the same time that this is way uh, overlooked and that these individuals, these athletes really can benefit from strength and conditioning programs. Because if you look at basic military physical fitness tests, it pretty much all centers around aerobic capacities. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because it's very easy to test. You know, the only thing that you need to do going into testing um, these individuals is know how far three miles is, know how far a mile and a half is, know how far five miles is. That's all you really have to do and then have a stopwatch. So it's very easy to test when you have hundreds and thousands of, you know, military personnel in a platoon, in a company, in a battalion, and then millions when you start to look worldwide. 
And the final reason I like this video and wanted to share it here is because, you know, having physical prowess and being a true athlete for these individuals can be the difference between life or death. Is there any greater, <laughs> is there any greater reason to have a strength and conditioning program and to be a better athlete than you could die if your body breaks down physically? So now we get into the thesis or the thesis, as I say, and if you listen to last week's episode, I raised the question, is thesis even a real word? And I, I have to admit, I, I forgot to look it up. So I, I don't know if it's it, but I'm still going with it. Um, so thesis, the first uh, thesis that I came across was that for these individuals, for the operator, and I'm going to say operator, that kind of refers to military personnel, law enforcement officers, um, individuals who kind of live that tactical lifestyle, they're operators. So for operators, it is a demanding job that requires a lot of flexibility. And Brandon points out in his presentation, and we'll touch on it, that he only gets these individuals in very small blocks, very small periodization blocks, because oftentimes they have obligations that pop up. So it is a, it's a very demanding job to work with these guys, and you've got to be flexible, not only as the athlete, but as the coach. The second thesis is that simplification is key. It's something I always personally, uh, I personally always preach, but it is true with these um, individuals, just keep it simple, stupid. The third thesis is that all training is functional, especially when you look at individuals in this line of work, everything you do is functional. It may carry over to your real world applications. You know, when you get into a firefight, you may be sprinting 20 yards or you may be running a mile. It's all over the place. So everything is functional. And the final thesis is that the basics work. You want to stick with the basics, the founding, um, the cornerstones of strength and conditioning, and then manipulate the factors that go in around them. So stick with the basics. Keep it simple. All training is functional. Functional. All training is functional and be flexible. So let's get into some programming that Brandon outlines in his presentation. And keep in mind, Brandon pointed out that, you know, him and his training team, his coaches, they only have these individuals for short periods of time. So when they do have them for short periods of time, they really try to utilize linear periodization. So they take their blocks of training, the time that they have, and they break them down and kind of attack one thing at a time. And they utilize linear periodization and linear being, you know, progressing in intensity over time. And that's a simple way of you know, being objective and tracking their progress, because when you have something like linear periodization and you're working on strength, for example, you test your strength at the beginning of the training block, you test your strength at the end of the training block, maybe he had them for eight weeks, and then you just test, did they get stronger? If the answer is yes, you succeeded. If the answer is no, you failed. It's very objective. So that's why he tries to utilize, you know, linear periodization when he has them for time blocks or periodizations that are long enough to actually get physiological adaptations from. Brandon points out that if he does have them for longer periods of time, he will do like an undulating or a concurrent training. So he changes up the training qualities within each period. So maybe it's, you know, uh, working on a strength day today, a dynamic day tomorrow, or even doing different uh, modalities of training within the same workout. So he kind of keeps it it fresh and tries to change it up and when he has them for longer periods of time. 
He also points out in his presentation that he uses a holistic approach. And keep in mind that one of the thesis was that all training is functional for these guys. So really what they're just trying to do is they're just trying to build a bigger, better, all-around athlete. There really is no specificity to an operator because, like I said, you know, when the chopper lands – and you get out at the landing zone, you may be sprinting 20 meters um, for cover to set a perimeter, or it could be like at the end of, you know, Black Hawk Down, which is based off a true story. But if you watch the movie, you'll see at the end, the Humvee takes off and these soldiers actually have to run. I, th I think it was like a mile or a mile and a half back to base through the city. So you never know what you're going to face. And that's why Brandon tries to build the biggest, best, all-around holistic athlete by training the three different energy systems. So he's got the phosphagen system, which is your, you know, zero to 30 seconds of very high intensity activity. And, you know, that's fueled by your creatine phosphate. Then after that, you progress in your glycolysis, which is your 30 seconds to two minutes of high intensity um, exercise. And that's when after you exceed that your creatine phosphate stores, then you start getting into your blood glucose, your muscle glycogen, um, excuse me, things like that to utilize for energy. And then finally, your last one is your oxidative energy system. So anytime you're going up over two minutes, that's that's what you're using for your energy. And you can get loads of energy from there. The problem is, is it takes longer to produce energy from that energy system. And that's where you, you get, you know, you're up over two minutes. That's your aerobic activities. But to be in a, a well-balanced, all-around athlete, you need to have those three energy systems developed. So then we get into another thesis that we already discussed, you know, the keep it simple, stupid simplification is key. And you do this um, through sticking with the basic movements and then manipulating the factors around them. So when I say manipulate factors, I mean, change your intensity levels, which is the weights you're lifting, play with your rest, change up your exercise mode, um, change your sets, your reps, your tempos, things like that. And then make sure you change those up, but do them around the basic movements. And one thing Brandon uh, points out that him and his team do is their program that they give their athletes details everything they need to know. So when his athletes get the program, they know the tempo. So they know how fast the concentric has to be, how slow the eccentric has to be. They know how long they have to rest. They know the weights they have to use. And speaking of weights, one thing that was very interesting that he pointed out was him and his teams, they give maximum and minimum loads based off of the athlete's feel that day. So, for example, say the athletes come in, they're doing deadlifts. You know, maybe the minimum is 315 and the maximum is 405. So it's almost an auto um, you know, regulation, if you will, that the athletes have so they can kind of control a little bit of their training. So they know they, they come in, they start deadlifting. They know they have to get at least 315. But if they get to 315 and they're like, I feel fucking great, they can work up to 405. But it's good because Brandon and his team put a ceiling on it because ultimately it still is their job as you know, strength and conditioning coaches to mitigate fatigue or at least try to manage it uh, to the best of their ability. So it's interesting how they gave minimum and maximum loads. Another thing that he points out is that him and his team do not utilize Olympic lifts. Um, and if you listen to the last podcast, episode two, I talk about how Olympic lifts are very technical and they require a lot of supervision and a lot of practice. Um, and when I say supervision by, you know, trained professionals that know Olympic lifts, but they require supervision, coaching, um, and a lot of practice to get really efficient at it. Knowing that Brandon doesn't have these athletes for long periods of time, it's hard to put them on an Olympic lifting um, regimen 
when they're ultimately going to lose those motor pathways um, and never become truly efficient with the lifts. And the last thing that uh, he points out around his you know, programs that he gives to his athletes is that everything is printed on one page. So there is you just take the guesswork out for the athletes and make it very simple for them to follow. Everything they need to know for one month is right there on one eight by 11 page and they fill out their weights. They lifted, they fill out how they felt. Um, and they go from there. Easy, breezy, simple, easy to follow. And a couple last points that Brandon pointed out that I jotted down regarding the programming, um, is specification. Now, while, it's very hard to get, you know, true specification for these athletes because once again, it's all about the holistic approach to just being more athletic. Um, sometimes the individual it is appropriate for specification. So, for example, <clears throat> if you have someone that's, you know, getting ready to go to a training school, so say someone's getting ready to go to sniper school, there may be different aspects in uh, strength and conditioning program you want to incorporate. If they're going to a school that, you know, <clears throat> has 12 mile runs, you're going to obviously want to develop that aerobic capacity a little more than you would for your, you know, basic infantry. Uh, it, it all depends on the schooling around it. So oftentimes you can get some individualized um, periodization, strength, conditioning plans to help these individuals. Now, keep in mind, in a platoon, in a company, in a battalion, the age ranges go from everything from 18 years old to 55 years old. So there's a wide age range, depending on how long someone's been in the service. So naturally, you're going to get some specification around individuals just based off of their age alone. So there is a lot of that that you have to consider because you're not going to train an 18-year-old the same way that you train the 55-year-old. You know, A private's going to get different training than the three-star general, but that, that's the way it is. Brandon also points out that him and his team collect a lot of data. And I always said you can never have too much data. Everything you do um, going forward can be determined off of data that you've had from previous experiences. And they do lots of crazy things like, you know, uh, taking blood samples and, and testing for lactate levels and, and then, of course, tracking the weights that the athletes use and everything like that. And it's a it's nice because it's a very objective way of showing progress. If, if someone comes in, whether it be the athlete themselves or even the brass of the platoon, they come in and they, they want to know X, Y, and Z. The more data you have, the easier it is to put a piece of paper out in front of this individual and be like, look you got stronger here, you got, you know, faster here, or look, this guy did not get injured because of me, because he did this, you know, it's very simple. The more data you have, the easier it is for you to do your job. So that was kind of the, the summary around the programming that Brandon outlined, but I thought there was a lot of great additional takeaways in this video. And, and one thing I thought was really funny was Brandon said that he answers questions more than he actually does coaching. And I think all coaches out there can relate to that. It feels like almost everything you do is more just answering questions and, and doing knowledge share than actually coaching someone. But I think that's a good thing because that's how you get individuals to buy in. And that's what I call, you know, flexing your abilities. If someone asks you a question and you can come back with a well thought out, um, seems like a nice, ed nicely educated response that gets someone to buy into you, into your program, into what you're trying to do. And that's a good thing. One thing that Brandon shared was that one time when he was new to his uh, his unit, uh, one of the operators came to him and said, I've survived to this point going through some hairy shit. How will you make me a better operator? 
And I think that's a great question. And that's something I've thought about for myself, um, a response that I have that I share with my uh, clientele that are in this field. But I, I think that's something that all strength and conditioning coaches need to ask themselves, not only if you're working with tactical athletes, but even if you're working with football players, baseball players, basketball players, whatever it may be, you need to ask yourself, how will you make this person better at X? And if you, you should be able to answer that. Um, and if you can't, you have a problem to your coaching that you need to address and really give that some thought. One thing, another takeaway, and one thing I love about working with this demographic is that you don't need to teach them discipline and teamwork. These are some of the most selfless individuals on the planet, and they're very highly motivated. So when you have individuals like this, you just need to give them the tools and the knowledge they need. They will run with it, and they will take it to the extreme, which, which brings me back to Brandon's point about putting you know, ceilings on you know, certain exercises, which is great because these individuals, especially if you get them in the same room at the same time competing with each other, they'll blow right past that 405 deadlift, and they'll, they'll start working up to five or six plates, or trying to at least, um, just because they're, they're, they're fucking go-getters, man. You know, So um, that, that's a great thing about working with this demographic, but you sometimes have to pull them back and, and mitigate their, their work ethic and, and drive hard ability, if you will. Another key takeaway that we touched on, you know, just briefly at the, at the beginning was that it's very hard for these individuals to be consistent with their training routines in the military. This is what, you know, what we, what we deciphered between infantrymen and pogues, as we call them, uh, personnel other than grunt. Infantry, when you're in the infantry, you're constantly out in the field, which means, you know, you're out training, you're on deployments, you're doing training around the world. When you do have little downtime, you know, you obviously, you not only want to, but you need to spend that with family. So it's very hard to get on a consistent training routine. So that's why when you do have these athletes, you need to be efficient and effective with your time. And that's what brings us back to doing the basics. Those are the most efficient and effective movements. That's why they're the basics. So you really have to knock it out of the park with the little time that you're allocated. Another thing Brandon briefly touched on is that these individuals are often banged up. Their sharpest tacks in between the ears, the way they think, the way they perceive things, is just spot on. But sometimes their bodies are just fucking, they're left in shambles. They're broken down. He didn't mention it, but I know um, plenty of people, and I have a family member who was in Airborne. And you look at Airborne um, soldiers and operators, jumping out of planes is naturally a high-impact activity. When you hit that ground, even with a parachute, these individuals, you know, they have no more arch in their feet. Their ankles are banged up. Their knees are banged up. Their hips are banged up. Their backs are banged up. They got neck issues. They're just beat to shit. And you're going to find that across the board for a lot of these tactical athletes. So a lot of the time, you're going to have to individualize your training program around these individuals' injuries. And a final thing that Brandon brought up uh, that I want to touch on that I, I thought was really relevant was he says that he um, always has a skeptical eye. So he always asks himself, prove me right or prove me wrong. And he always asks the question, why? You know, why does this benefit his athlete? And really, that struck home with me because that's the whole point of this podcast. I'm on here talking to myself in my office right now with my dog chewing on a bone at my feet. And we're, we're talking about, you know, 
one video. And the last two weeks, we talked about two studies. And we're going to talk about articles. We're going to talk about all this and that. But you still need to be skeptical. And you need to still ask why. You know, is what Tom, me, because I did my introduction, hello, is what Tom is talking about, is this effective for me? Is this going to make me better? Is it going to make my athletes better? Is it going to make my business better? I don't know. And that's up to you. But that's the point of this podcast, to have an open discussion and talk about some different things. So that's it, you hard-charging motherfuckers. Remember, this is just one side of an issue. Uh, Everything you heard Brandon uh, say in the video, if you watch it or you hear me repeat verbatim to you, uh, you're going to find plenty of sources that support it. And then you're going to find just as many sources that are on the other side of the fence and go against it. So this is just one side. At the end of the day, I just want to have an open discussion, give you something to think about so you can have that skeptical eye and decide whether it can be applied to you, your athletes, uh, your business, whatever it may be. So until next week, remember every Sunday I'm going to release an episode. Until next Sunday, I implore you to go check out defyinggravityperformance.com. Read some articles. You can reach me there on the contact me tab and send me an email if you have anything uh, you want to ask me or anything you want me to cover. So until next week, Defy Limitations, God bless America.